0: Last episode discussed how the political challenges facing Palestinians during the pandemic gave birth to novel issues pertaining to medical access, economic opportunity, and sovereignty. This week, we will focus instead on how the Palestinians were able to adapt their social and political organizing to not only get through the COVID pandemic, but also continue to advocate and fight for their cause. Lifelong political and communal involvement is the norm in Palestine, and to cover as much as possible, we interviewed two very different activists, a member of the Nativity Church community and scouts in Bethlehem, as well as the media coordinator of a Palestinian feminist organization. Since the beginning of the pandemic, many local organizations launched grassroots initiatives aiming to help their communities through these difficult times. Jacob is a member of such a community. He is a teacher and an active organizer in the Nativity Church in Bethlehem and the Christian Tarasanta Scouts. Jacob explains that despite knowing the risks involved, the Palestinians in the West Bank did not have the privilege of suspending travel.
1: Um, But uh, Bethlehem has like 80% of its income comes from tourists. So it would have been um, <clears throat> a nightmare for the, most of the population. So if, you, if, you, if you didn't work with uh, tourism, you worked at a restaurant, you worked at a, a, <clears throat> a similar place that, you know, uh, you are benefited by tourists.
0: Soon enough, five tourists and service workers tested positive for COVID-19. The reaction was swift and decisive the Israeli military descended on Bethlehem and imposed a citywide immediate curfew, lasting three months. While the response successfully halted the spread of COVID in the West Bank, no such restrictions were imposed on the Israeli settlements surrounding Bethlehem, despite rising COVID numbers. The transmission of the virus to Palestinian communities was inevitable.
1: After the, the three months, We we closed from um, since March. Um, After three months, uh, Israelis were like no labor can come in. So and people were like some people were literally out of money. They couldn't buy a piece of bread for their kids, so they couldn't care and just went to work. But when uh, the Israelis uh, opened the borders for the workers, uh, that's when we had a really uh, huge outbreak between the the workers. And so we are now at, I think, fifty thousand cases, I' not sure, with uh, seven, seven and a half thousand uh, cases, you know, active cases right now every day, the, the cases of new infected people are more than the ones that are recovering.
0: With cases on the rise, local organizations, such as churches, came together to support.
1: Half of March, um, we decided, you know, as my, not, not an organization, but our scout troop, my, my scout troop, uh, the Terra Santa scout uh, we decided that you know, since the government isn't moving fast enough for the the community here, um, which they did after maybe a month or something they they you know uh, started sending food packages and all that uh, and because Bethlehem was the first uh, district to be affected by the virus um, and we have many connections with scouts all around the country. So um, they started sending us um like aid, you know, medicine, um food, blankets and all of that. And we uh, distributed it uh all over the the Bethlehem district, Beit yeah, Bedjala, Bethlehem, Betsaho. Um and it took about maybe a month and a half. And every, every package that used to come from the government, uh, uh, they used to send us, uh, send us those packages because we know uh, we have like a, a list from the church, from the archives um, of every family in Bethlehem. So that, that helped a lot. To you know, to make the distribution fair, and most most uh, you know most of the people here uh, offered to help because uh, if you don't have a brother in our scouts, you have a, a cousin or whatever. So it's all you know, united. It's all one community, like strong community.
0: Recognizing these organizations as viable parts of the community. The Palestinian Authority was quick to enlist the help and coordinate efforts with them.
1: Most of the time, they would come to us because, you know, uh, <laughs> you know all the people in town, so it's, it's best if they come to you. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's how it works. Yeah, it, it was basically a really um, effective way of dealing with, uh, with the problem.
0: Beyond the immediate necessities, the West Bank also experiences regular electricity shortages and poor Internet connectivity.
1: It was really difficult, to be honest. And um, some people actually asked for um, when, when they when we called them about, you know, taking the, the package. The food package. They ask if they could have a used phone for for their kid, right? And you know the the, the internet companies, um, like the the company I uh, I subscribe to, I I'll, I don't know how it's called. You know I work with them um they i didn't pay the bill for 6 months because you know we couldn't they were closed uh and they didn't um cut off my internet and all you, you know all companies most companies let's say most companies did that and uh, but yeah the the speed of the connection isn't that great um some people uh, suffered, let's say it suffered, when they are watching, you know, their lectures in the university. And uh, I heard people say that they have failed because of, you know, uh, Zoom lectures.
0: Jacob says that, through the authority, the local communities and Palestinian-owned companies coming together, the community was able to overcome many of the difficulties it faced during the pandemic.
1: The church also asked the community, you know, in masses and all that, that if you have uh, an old phone you don't use anymore or uh, you wanna go buy a new one, please donate the old one to the church or to the scouts and they can find Uh, a kid, a school kid, who doesn't have any kind of, you know, uh, electronic, a laptop, a phone, anything. Um, And they actually uh, had, you know, people like, if if you need a phone, please put your name in this form. So we know that, you know, we need like 18 phones or something. And we actually had some donations. Um, you know, people, some people donated laptops. I think we had two or three laptops donations. Not really, you know, like, high-end laptops, but, you know, anything works. So, yeah, it, it's been... It, it was really uh, a good campaign for the kids. Um, Yeah, it was a success, actually, and we managed to get all all kids who needed one, uh, who needed one, yeah, we managed to get them what they needed.
0: While community organizations adapted to the necessities of the new normal, the grassroots activism common to Palestine also had to undergo serious change. To discuss this, we contacted Namira, a member of Talat which is a feminist Palestinian movement. Talat started as a one-time protest to bring attention to the issue of violence against women in Palestine. The slogan, go out and protest, became the rallying cry and was finally adopted as the name of the movement, Talat.
2: We mean going out to the streets and, and it's kind of a metaphor for the public sphere. And that's a cornerstone in, in our movement, that we want to take the women's issue, the feminist fight to the public sphere. We want to re-visualize and, re, uh, and have a new vision of what free Palestine means uh, and what what does free mean and is it only a national liberation or also uh, a liberation from all kinds of exploitation and oppression um, including the oppression against women uh, that's why our slogan uh, is uh, no free homeland
0: without free women the protest brought thousands of demonstrators to the streets and happened simultaneously across 12 cities including jerusalem rafa and gaza and Ramallah in the West Bank, as well as in non-Palestinian cities such as Beirut and Berlin. Talat's messaging included advocacy pertaining to the social struggle of women in Palestine, including sexual harassment, as well as political issues, including the imprisonment of Palestinian protesters, many of whom were women without charges via administrative imprisonments. After the COVID pandemic and the quarantine, Talat had to adapt both its messages and its activism.
2: We had to think uh, on how we we should continue our our activity in this unusual circumstances, uh, not only because of the because of the restrictions and the lockdown, but also because the pandemic uh, imposed new challenges and new problems and magnified uh, the the horrific situation, uh, for example, of of exploitation, of uh, workers' exploitation, the horrific uh, uh, reality of women living with their abusers. We, uh, we wanted to shed light on how quarantine and lockdown and social distancing means differently for, for, for different uh, people coming from different backgrounds and different classes, uh, and um, to the point that it might be a privilege for some people uh, to stay at home and not go to work, Without the fear for for their lives or their safety, uh, and um, not not having to live with their abusers, um, and we decided that we want to break the silence, uh, and disrupt uh, this invisibility of of the the increase in, in 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 violence against women that is now more invisible because it, it's happening inside homes and. Uh, the, the victims and survivors are are not, are not are not able to go out and talk about it and um, and they have no break from it because now they are living with their abusers 24/7 uh, without the break when they go out to work or school or their abuser is out. So we we want to uh, to interrupt this discomfort uh, that. That is a result of not seeing all of this uh, so we went out to protest in our houses because of the restrictions and we uh, we used the uh, the tool of banging on pots from from the windows and the roofs and the balconies of of, of houses to 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 make noise and make this violence more audible and more visible and. Uh, pushing people to deal with it, because it's still happening, although we can't see it as much an, uh, anymore.
0: The pandemic has been painful for everyone. However, we at ROC believe it might also present a unique opportunity. During the pandemic, many have come together in solidarity with their neighbors. This solidarity does not have to be confined by national borders. Quarantine is an alien experience to many of those living in Western countries. However, it is not unfamiliar to the individuals experiencing statelessness who have been subjected to military-imposed curfews and had to shelter in place during times of armed conflict. Please visit the podcast page on our website, rocyourworld.org, for opportunities to support the communities we discuss in our episodes.